Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. I survived the first week back of my children going to school, and I, I think I was a little bit more out of sorts than they were. Well, you know, sometimes it is harder on the uh, the parents than it is the children. They're, they've got the excitement and the fun involved, and you're the one having to do all the real work around here. Well, <laughs> well, you know, it, it was pretty bad one morning. I was getting ready to go to work, and I have like a, a time. I have got to be out the door, or I'm going to hit the worst traffic. And so I'm pouring myself my coffee, and then I'm pouring my white cranberry peach juice into my coffee. <laughs> not, not my creamer. And I caught it about a second into it. I was like, oh. And then I thought, well, let me taste it. It wasn't so bad. I don't think I'd do it again, but... <laughs> You could maybe open your own hipster coffee shop. There I think, was, if you it was, yeah. To. So that was a sure sign to me that I needed to maybe get up a few minutes earlier to let my brain wake up. Well, having <laughs> your brain wake up is important, Nicole, and I'm glad that you could make it in here this evening. And we can do this show because we've got uh, a wide variety of topics that we're going to be discussing this evening. And first up, we're going to be talking about uh, a, a familiar subject, and that has to do with aging in place and maybe a, a subject that we don't get to very often, and that includes adult daycare. And to do that, We've brought in Evelyn Sanders. She is the executive director of Southeastern Healthcare. Evelyn, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Jason. So I'm really excited about this topic because adult daycare has been near and dear to my heart since the very beginning of my career when I helped to manage several adult daycare centers in a different part of the country. Uh, But I will tell you, and I know that I'm speaking to the choir here, Evelyn, that adult daycare is certainly the best kept secret in long-term care. It most certainly is, and the most cost-effective as well. For sure. You know, you can get a full day of services for your loved one and a break at the same time for a very, very reasonable price, for sure. So so for those that don't really know what adult daycare is, can you talk to us a little bit about the types of services that one may find if they were to bring their loved one to an adult daycare? Okay, at adult daycare, um, you will receive the um, participant as we call them. Mm-hmm. They receive uh, monitoring of the health care, uh, administration of uh, medication, um, certain activities that uh, help them maintain their cognitive functions as well as their uh, physical uh, function, uh, spiritual needs as well. Uh, so I know that there are a couple of types of adult daycare centers. There are those that are medically based, so they provide the nursing services, the assistance with what we call activities of daily living, the bathing, the dressing, the grooming. And then there are the ones that are the more socially based. But I understand that yours is a hybrid. Yes, we're a combination program. We have both medical and uh, social um, uh, program uh, participants as well. Uh, the 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 beauty of a combination program is that you have um, participants that really just need supervision, mm-hmm. and then you also need uh, 
people that need uh, monitoring of their health care. And they, uh, it's like a community. Mm-hmm. And they support each other uh, along with the staff. Um, we really like the model. Yeah, I know a lot of people, most people, I would generally say, have a vision of aging in place, aging in their home. And sometimes all you need is just that little boost up of support to be able to maintain your independence longer. So coming to sort of almost like a medical home where you have some supervision, you have some socialization, and then you have some uh, medical monitoring really can help uh, an individual potentially allay that crisis that may end up making them have a uh, placement prematurely. Uh, yes, uh, we our our program is a true integrated uh, model in that we provide services to meet all of the uh, life domains, uh, the cognitive, the social, the psychological, the physical, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, the majority of our staff have been uh, working in the industry for twenty years, and they are truly committed to. Um, to what we do. I remember when I used to hire staff for mm-hmm. the adult daycare program, particularly what we called back then a certified nursing assistant. I know mm-hmm. they're called NA1s now. You really did get the cream of the crop because it, it's great hours and it's just, it's really a fun job. I right. mean, you get to enjoy time and company with so many different participants and um, really, you know, have really great working hours and a, a great working environment. So I'm sure, like you said, you have folks that have been in this business for 20 years. You have some really great caregivers there as well uh, including myself <laughs> uh, when I start uh, my husband and I uh, started Southeastern Wake Adult Day um, Center and at the time that I started I was 40 uh, okay. years old All right. and uh, you're only 41 now though <laughs> 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 and, and so we've aged with the program uh-huh. and it has been beneficial uh, to us as well so do you have a success story of somebody who's attended the program that you just know this made a huge difference in their life that you could share with folks so they could kind of visualize what this may look like for somebody? Okay. Yes, uh, I'll tell you, and she wouldn't mind. Um, may she rest in peace. Um, this uh, participant that we had named Rogeline. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Rogeline was a retired uh, nurse, Wake County uh, Health Department. And uh, she um, had... Uh, diabetes uh, adult uh, onset of diabetes type 2 type 2 and so she ended up with both uh, legs uh, amputated and so all she was doing was sitting at home um, becoming uh, more and more depressed and isolated isolation Mm -hmm. uh, one of the number one killers of uh, people don't realize and so what we did is uh, she came to us uh, her um, grandson was a caregiver which was very unusual Mm -hmm. and he um, found out about us we located in Southeast Raleigh one of the few programs and so she came to us and flourished, uh, became active again in church, uh, developed relationships. Uh, we have a senior prom where she, uh, she was a very attractive woman anyway. And uh, she got she all the guys that day, didn't all she? All <laughs> of the guys came up in a, in a limousine for the prom. Wow. And just uh, really just um, enjoyed everything that we had to provide. 
and uh, she came to us uh, faithfully. Uh, if she missed a day, you know, we needed to go and see about her. Mm. And we and we do make home visits. That, well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it definitely made a big impact in her life and a big a big change in the quality of her yes. life. So I think that's phenomenal. Yes. I'm sure you have dozens more stories like that. Yes. The one thing I definitely wanted to make sure that we highlighted today was something very unique about your program that does not exist anywhere else that I'm aware of, which is the fact that you have overnight respite services. And I will tell you, based on my work with Transitions Guiding Lights and my work in the industry over the past too many years, I don't want to say, 25 years now maybe, (laughs) Um, that's one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest issues for family caregivers, particularly with loved ones with a cognitive impairment, the breaking point is is when that family just can't get any more sleep. I mean, we all know what it's like to have a newborn at home, but we know there's an end in sight, but we're still exhausted. Well, when you have an older adult with a cognitive impairment, you don't really know where that end is going to hit. And so when a loved one has their days and nights mixed up and when they're up wandering and it's a safety concern and you're worried about falling, you just don't sleep as a family Mm -hmm. caregiver. So talk to us about your special overnight respite service program. Okay. Our overnight respite program, it's like you say, it's different than most uh, respite programs in that um, you, a caregiver can um, bring their loved ones to us one day or 14 days at a time. Uh, And uh, it is a certified program through the state of North Carolina, and they're able to receive um, funds to support them. when when a when they bring a loved one, most of the time they don't want to be there. Our program, I like to think of it in terms of it's like a hotel, and uh, you get reservations to come. <laughs> That's awesome. And the it, we only have six beds, mm-hmm. so uh, our uh, staffing ratio is one to three people. So it is a very special program that get every day. It's like a bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast. That's a good way of (laughs) putting it. Yeah, definitely. So if folks want more information about your program, uh, what is the name of it? How do they find you? And and, and what does it cost? Uh, All they need to do is um, call. uh, The main number is 919-212-8580. And if you want... um, want someone to talk with you directly great just awesome. ask for overnight respite and payment payment can be private pay or payment can be private pay or we have uh, get community uh, block funds you can apply for those through us uh, you can also get um, monies from lifespan and North Carolina have uh, a healthy um, promise grant as well awesome yeah so there's plenty of options for people that they can investigate if they're interested yes well evelyn sanders executive director of southeastern Healthcare. thank you so much for coming in this evening we really enjoyed having you on the show thank you we got to take a quick break and we'll be back with more stick around you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care on news radio 680 wptf 
Today's His Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Nicole, we're going to switch gears here and we're going to be discussing the, the subject of community based care and the options that uh, exist within that area because there are so many and to do that we've brought in two experts you know not just one we've got two here <laughs> from uh home choice healthcare we've got executive director philip morris and we also have their director of provider relations blair purvis philip and blair thank you both so much for coming on the show this evening thank you thank you, thank you jason thank yeah you. so we are happy to have you here to talk about you know various different options for community-based care that we have in this area and i often say it's a blessing and a curse we have a really truly so many options particularly in wake county for family caregivers to touch and feel um, when you get out to the more rural areas you have a lot fewer options but having so many options can be incredibly overwhelming so i'm glad that you're both here to shed some light on that topic for sure Again, thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. So let's talk about that. What, what types of community options uh, do you feel like we need to highlight today? Well, we've been in this more than 10 years, and providing personal care aids in the community is, is a, the main thrust of what we do. We take a lot of calls from a lot of families, many times the daughter or son, who are facing the problems that they're seeing with their mom or dad or another family member. And we see this as an opportunity to help them build, get their comfort level back up because we can feel and hear the stress. So we're talking to these, these family members and they're asking questions. What can I do? What are my options? Many times they'll have Medicare, they'll have VA benefits, they may have Medicaid, and sometimes they don't have either and sometimes it's a private pay option, which we explain and we try to make it very understandable and so we start talking about budgets a little bit and we start talking about the family dynamics and so after discussing these types of things the family member is starting to feel better so i know that one of the big common uh, misconceptions that family caregivers have and we talk about it from time to time on this show is that medicare pays for everything but the reality of it is in community-based care medicare really pays for very little that is true we find that medicare will usually only pay for a caregiver if skilled nursing has already been called in as well and a home health agency is providing some of those skilled nurse therapies like um, wound care or physical therapy, that type of thing. And then they can sometimes get an aid for once or twice a week for just a short time. What we provide though are aids that are minimum two hours and many times people need two or three hours a day and Medicare does not cover that. So that's where the the rub is that's where the families start looking around well what else can we do yeah and i know that oftentimes when family caregivers are calling transitions guiding lights they often get sticker shock they hear the prices that you know the private duty and home care companies charge and they say well, well i can't afford that and then they start talking about well maybe i'll just find somebody privately and i have a huge hesitation ever referring an individual privately because there are a lot of pitfalls and perhaps philip you can kind of talk a little bit about that you know why shouldn't you just hire somebody off of craigslist certainly <laughs> well there's lots of reasons i know there's a lot of horror stories but 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 the reality of it is families are looking at that they're trying to get the most for their dollar certainly and they're trying to save money because mm -hmm. there's always limited funds uh, so one of the things that we benefit 
the family and providing through a agency is all of our workers are employees. Mm -hmm. They've been background checked. They've had criminal background checks. They're insured. They're covered by workers' comp. For example, if you've got a private person working in your home and they have a fall, well, they're probably going to come back on you Mm -hmm. as far as a suit, liability. We cover all of that. Uh, The other piece is people get sick. People have family emergencies, uh, child care issues. Working through an agency, you have the option to call the agency. Well, you know, this aid can't come in today, so we've got other options. You know, we, we have currently over 400 employees. So mm-hmm. we're able to um, find somebody else that can come in and uh, uh, provide that assistance for that day. Well, and the other piece of it is, and I'm certainly not a certified public accountant, but I will say that there are certain circumstances that family caregivers could potentially write off the cost of care for a loved one. And if you're hiring somebody under the table and paying them under the table, come at the end of the tax year, you might be certainly, up for a you, big surprise. Yes, <laughs> certainly you wouldn't, typically you wouldn't be able to write that off if you're paying privately. Yeah. And then uh, also you, you wind up with the issues of a the tax liability for the person that you've been paying, the checks you've been writing. Right. Um, you know, if, if it ever comes up, that would be an issue. Our services, you know, they're typically uh, tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'd refer that to uh, your personal accountant or CPA. Right. But uh, right. in, in those cases, we're typically uh, a service that uh, you can write off. So, Philip, based on your experience, what um, are the, I guess, the main reasons why people end up calling a private duty in-home care company? What are some of the primary diagnoses or the, some of the things that family caregivers are seeing in the home that they kind of put up this big flag saying, oh boy, it's time? So, so often it happens that mom or dad has a fall, mm-hmm. which is typically what leads to the emergency room visit. And then maybe it's a, a recognition that they're not safe anymore. Right. Uh, they can you know, the family comes over and, you know, mom's left something on the stove or uh, left a burner on or just safety issues that occur. So what we try to do in those circumstances is that the family calls up and they're panicked. Right. And, uh, you know, mom's not safe. What do we do? And so often it happens it's a lack of planning in the front end winds up being a crisis on the back end. And then it's a response to the crisis. Mm-hmm. Who can we get? What can we get? How, how soon can you be here? Those types of issues come up most of the time. You know, I was interviewing a family caregiver yesterday for a piece I'm working on for a news channel, and one of the things that she talked about, and she had a tremendous amount of guilt, was that she got to a point where she just couldn't do it anymore. She just needed to eventually place her loved one. And, you know, she she sits in a support group and she talks with other families, some of which cared for their loved one for 20 years in their home and, and others don't. And I think sometimes families get to this point where they realize that they just can't do it all 100% by themselves and they need to reach out to an organization such as yours. How do you help a family caregiver sort of work through that? Because I know there are a lot of concerns for families about bringing an outsider into the home and what that's going to feel like and what that's going to look like. Certainly. And caregiver burnout is one of the big issues Mm -hmm. that uh, people face all the time. So what we try to do is match up the caregiver with the family, uh, the introduction part, the training, and uh, just working with that family to make sure it's it's a good fit Mm -hmm. Uh, because there are personality conflicts that do occur and always happens but uh, we try to find somebody that fits and most of the time they become part of the family Mm -hmm. and become very well accepted and they wind up being part of christmas and thanksgiving and all of those Mm -hmm. types of uh, celebrations 
I'd like to add too, Nicole, that when uh, a caregiver or someone that's looking after their parents, when they are in the hospital setting or the rehab setting, there are social workers and discharge planners that are there to work with the family. And so the, many times I get calls from the caregiver and say, Mama's here at the rehab or Dad's in the hospital. Don't know what I'm going to do. And I always suggest reach out to the, to the case manager or the discharge planner. They have not only a list of agencies and options, but they also can talk with you about a number of things that they need to be thinking about. Well, how many hours do you need? And many times the, the discharge planner will be able to share with them, we see this happening and this is probably what your mom or dad is going to need when they go home. That helps them get their wheels turning as to what they can ask us about in terms of amounts and budgets and times. Yeah, it certainly seems to always be a shock for the family caregiver when their loved one is in the hospital and then suddenly the case manager says, okay, we're discharging tomorrow. You know, and that's when the panic buttons go off and, or when they're in the rehab center and somewhere along the line they heard Medicare will pay for 100 days, but the reality of it is most people are cut after, you know, 16 or 20 and then suddenly the social worker says, okay, your mom has to go home tomorrow. And so I'm sure you all deal with a, pr- a tremendous amount of panic button issues with these family caregivers. Yeah, and that's something that we want to explore in our next segment. We've got Philip Morris and Blair Purvis here. They are both from Home Choice Healthcare and we're going to continue our conversation with them right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, this is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. And you can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our two guests in the studio are Philip Morris and Blair Purvis. They are with Home Choice Healthcare and Nicole. Just before the break, we were talking about um, you know expectations when it comes to rehab and maybe an unexpected discharge, and suddenly you're thrown into panic mode, thinking, you know, I wasn't expecting this so soon. What do I do? Well, I know, and it's hard. You know, sometimes when you've worked in the industry so long and you see that train coming down the track days and weeks before and you try to warn even with my own family you know I recently had a situation with a family member whose loved one I could see literally dying over the past year and then suddenly when they were told it was the last two weeks of life it seemed like it was a sudden shock so you know when you work in healthcare, you can see it coming down the pike a long way but when you're sort of in the thick of it it, it really does seem like there are certain moments that are jolting and then suddenly you really have to go from you know just plugging along to crisis mode Absolutely. Well, the things that we hope that when family members call us is that they'll start thinking about several things. They need to be thinking about their budget, and they need to talk among their family members. What can we really afford to What do? can we all pitch in? That's I mean, right. it's not and, just maybe the individual. It could be family right. members Sometimes all coming together. family members pull their money together, and they say, we're going we're gonna to do this. And sometimes um, 
it will get the, the ball rolling. It'll get things started. And later on, there may be some benefits, VA benefits. Things Some things can kick in after they get started if they have certain types of um, programs and insurances, like long-term care. Long-term care insurance is great, but there's a, there's a waiting period mostly mm-hmm. with these companies. And so you have to get started and you have to know the times of day that you're looking for. Like if a family will call us and say, I really need someone to be here from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, five days a week, and and they already know that, and that's that's going to work. It's so much easier for our care team um, to, to try to staff that. Right. But many times they don't know. Right. And so we always encourage people to, when you call us, be thinking about the budget and the times of day and the number of hours that you need per day. Well, and the other thing that I would say to add on to that is because people are very financially aware of what all this costs, which can be quite a bit over a a, a period of time. Sometimes I think families shortchange the amount of time the loved one really needs. And so they'll try to jam everything in in two hours when the reality is to make it a more quality experience for their loved one or to really wrap around what that loved one really needs. Maybe it needs to be three or four. And so I often say, while I know that's a financial pinch and I'm there's really nothing we can do about that piece. Um, Really listen to the experts. You know, the the home care agencies that are out there, I mean, you know, everyone's a business, and I understand that, but the reality of it is is you're not going to recommend something that you really don't feel that family member requires. Absolutely not. And one of the purposes originally when we started the company was uh, to assist families, Mm -hmm. uh, to assist people, I have a nursing home background, been a nursing home administrator for many, many years, and seeing the issues that come up and when, when they're admitted to the nursing home. And so many times the, the, the client or the patient, is, as well as the family, is wanting mom back at home. Mm-hmm. And so working through that transition back to a home setting of, and determining what exactly mom might need uh, is exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's, it, there is often a short you know, let's make it happen really quick so right. that we're saving money and we can stretch it out longer. But that doesn't always give exactly what the what the patient needs. And the bottom line is is and this is a common theme that's been coming up is that we are just other a group of human beings trying to help other human beings. We're not to the point where it's robots helping human beings, and I hope we never get there. Um, but we are going to make mistakes, right? Just like in every family, not every situation is perfect. And so, what's some advice that you could give a family caregiver? Because I know there's a lot of hesitation about complaining about every little thing but the reality of it is is if you don't start letting people know what the small issues are resentment builds up and then all of a sudden a person will blow up over something that it seems to be small but the reality was there was a whole lot in that pipeline before that and then it finally just blew (laughs) communication is the key Mm -hmm. and uh, as an agency owner I want to know any situation that occurs early because if we catch it early, like you said, we can stop it. Uh, sometimes it's just a conversation. Sometimes it's misunderstanding. Uh, we all come from different cultures, different backgrounds. So the interaction may not be exactly as you would hope. Mm-hmm. But uh, just through communication and talking, uh, we've got you know several full-time nurses that can go out and intervene. Uh, Blair gets, uh, is able to, from a provider relations standpoint, we want to make it a good experience for everyone. So that early conversation, that early communication, uh, maybe just from a time standpoint, well, you know, actually it would be better if she was here at 8, but she's coming at 9, and 
well, we don't really want to disrupt anything. So yeah, well, they're afraid a, they're going to change yeah. the caregiver on them, and they like this caregiver, so they're dealing with it where it's really not a perfect fit. Or there's the other fear of the fear of reprisal, right? Well, what if I complain about this family caregiver, and then that caregiver finds out, and then they don't treat my mom the same? And then that's a real fear. I mean, I face that even with my own children, young children that go to school. You know, I don't know if I want to be that mom that complains about the kindergarten teacher because my kid's going to be there for 12 more years. You know, so True. you can see that people have that hesitation and fear and so what can you say to a family about that and to help allay that situation it's typically not going to be an adversarial situation we want it to be a a a smooth transition and working with each other and the caregivers we hire they aren't in this field for the money (laughs) (laughs) they are They are in to provide wonderful care and take care of people. And so typically, if they're doing something that the family doesn't like, they want to know as well. Right. They they want to improve. Absolutely. For sure. And make it a, a good relationship all the way around. So another piece that I would love to touch on, and I'm specifically touching your company about this, is because I know that Transitions Guiding Lights does refer to your agency fairly frequently, and we refer a lot of -of end-of-life patients, folks that are very, very ill from a uh, chronic perspective or terminally ill. And um, I would suspect that some of your caregiver, your professional caregivers get some uh, special training to help work with these families, correct? And, And these patients? Yes, they do. Yes, and the um, the aids that we have, we go through an orientation product uh, orientation program, and our nurse spends a, a great amount of time trying to help that particular aid understand a particular setting and where they're going to be. Like Philip mentioned, we try to carefully select who is going to be in that position to look after that particular family, but. There is a, a great satisfaction that I believe that the AIDS have because many times a patient that's involved with end-of-life issues in the family, if hospice is there and other organizations are trying to help, the hours that we can spend filling in the, the blanks, you might say, mm-hmm. give that family respite themselves. Many times they're working. Many times the, the son or daughter. Well, it's the emotional drain. Right, and and they need a, they need a little bit of a break mm-hmm. from this, and they, they know that we're here because the hospice teams, even though an interdisciplinary team is there, many times during the week, it may not be the type of hours that they can count on like they can with us. Right, and I find that that it, that that certified nursing assistant or that aide that goes into the home really knows a lot more about that family dynamic and that patient than really anybody else going into the home. And so um, they need to be treated like a true member of that interdisciplinary team. A lot of times they recognize things. They might see the starting of a wound or they might notice that person's breathing a little differently or that they're in pain. And so I think, um, you know, they are, are vital in that team environment to make that end of life care super important for that for that individual. So let's talk a little bit about We've been talking a lot about the re- being reactive, and I, and I know that's kind of how we are in the United States. We don't really deal with things until they're big, ugly boils right in front of our faces. Um, but let's talk about what can we do? What are some of the do's and don'ts that we can advise folks on to really try to be a little bit more proactive and not face some of this crisis when already it's incredibly emotionally and physically charged? Well, I, if I could offer some tips for families out there that are right now starting to notice changes in their parents, maybe noticing the times they're spending in the emergency room now. They need to be really trying to plan ahead. 
they need to get other family members involved. They need to make sure that everybody's on the same plate. And that's difficult. Family dynamics are, are, can be tricky. But um, get to know your family's limitations and their strengths. Many times you may assume that a brother or sister can be there and really add a lot to the, to the mix, but sometimes they just can't. They don't know what it's like being a caregiver. Get advice from families and friends that have already been there and done that. Some of your neighbors and some of your friends can offer you some really good advice sometimes, and I think it'll help build, build your confidence going into that. I also suggest people get advice with advanced directives. There's a lot of different things that they can do to get proper legal documentation that can help them with decision making. Know your budget and know what your insurances will cover. Mm -hmm. Many times they haven't even called their insurance company to find out, do I get some remedy with my budget because of my insurance? And I also say listen and learn from what you hear at the doctor's office, from the rehab center, from the hospitals, and other places that you go. Ask questions. Find out from them what they recommend. They know your patient's situation, your, your mom's situation or whatever, and they can respond. So if folks want more information about your company, how do they go, go ahead and get a hold of you? Well, the best way to reach us probably would be just call our Raleigh office. It's 919-882-3680. But we also have an office in Fuquay. We have an office in Goldsboro. And we have an office in Southern Pines. Yeah, and that's, uh, again, that phone number, 919-882-3680. I want to thank Blair Purvis, the Director of Provider Relations, and Philip Morris, the Executive Director. Both are with Home Choice Healthcare. Thank you both so much for coming in this evening and spending some time with us. Thank, thank you, you, Jason. Thank you, Nicole. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680. WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Live Care. She is Nicole Cleggett. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday evening. And Nicole, we got a little housekeeping that we need to do. And, you know, we haven't talked about Transitions Guiding Lights in a while, and I think that this is... Uh, again, such a tremendous resource available to folks and that, uh, you know, we probably should say something about it every single program, although it, it makes it hard because we don't have a whole lot of time. But I, I think it is a very important to remind everyone just what Guiding Likes is and what it does. Well, thank you, Jason. So we are a nonprofit organization, a charity organization uh, in the state of North Carolina, and we provide to the community at large free information, free referrals, education and support to those who are in a caregiving journey for a loved one. And, you know, one of the things that I think we don't hit on very often is that, you know, what exactly is a caregiver? You know, I always think about, you know, I think it's Jeff Foxworthy, you know, you know you're a redneck if. There <laughs> needs to be, you know, you're a caregiver if. And, you know, it, it's kind of sneaky because a lot of people identify being a family caregiver as actually providing that physical care to a loved one. So that is literally, you know, if I am not dressing my mom, bathing my mom, assisting my mom to the bathroom, feeding my mom, then I'm not a caregiver. But that's actually not true. You know, caregiving is really um, 
a whole host of, of different types of tasks that you do with a loved one to include what we often call activities of daily living. That's the bathing and the dressing, the grooming that I just mentioned. But there's also what they call IDALs, which are more of the independent activities of daily living. So those are things like preparing meals, going grocery shopping, writing your bills, being transported to and from work or doctor's appointments, things of that nature. And oftentimes those are the things that start happening in a family situation. And that's really caregiving. So if you're starting to, you know, have to, you know, check in on mom via phone call, take mom to doctor's appointments, uh, make sure that mom is getting rid of the spoiled food in the refrigerator, actually run to the grocery store because she's not driving anymore. You're actually really a caregiver. It can sneak up on you at times. You may just think, hey, I'm I'm helping out mom a little bit with this. And then suddenly you're kind of in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, and I think men have a harder time identifying as caregivers. And so a, a good friend of mine, you know, he was caregiving for his mom and he was telling me all the things that he was doing for his mom and you know she had been in the hospital a whole bunch of times and you know he was you know visiting her every single day in the long-term care facility she was in and being an advocate for her and one day I referred to him as a caregiver and he said well I'm not a caregiver and I said well frankly you actually are and let me explain to you why so you know caregiving even continues on for those you know listening you know, you may have been providing some of that care for a loved one in their home and then they transition off into more of a long term care setting, but you're still really there because I don't care if you're five years old or 50 years old or 100 years old, if you are not receiving care in your own home, or even frankly, if you are, you really need someone there on your bench to be your advocate because there's so much going on and it's so complicated. You really need somebody there to make sure that, you know, they're not amputating your right arm when it really needs to be your left, so to speak. <laughs> so Nicole, give me a quick walkthrough. Um, I, suddenly I find out, oh, I'm, I'm a caregiver now I'm, uh-huh. I, and I need some help. And I, I, let's say I call guiding lights. What, what happens? What, what should I ask? What, what do I do? Well, first of all, know that there are no stupid questions. There are no wrong That's questions. That's good for me. Well, <laughs> well, but I think sometimes people are embarrassed because the reality of it is people don't know what they don't know. And there is a huge tangled web of resources out there. So what happens is when you call, or you can stop by, but most people call just because they're so busy, um, you will speak to one of our referral specialists. And we actually have two folks in our office that take these calls. And we ask you questions about what's going on in your loved one's life, what's going on in your life, and sort of where all the pressure and pinch points are. And you may call and say, you know, I can't take it anymore. If mom asks me one more time, what time is it? I'm just going to go crazy. And, um, you know, so you just, and and mom needs to be placed. But you may not realize that there are a lot of community-based options out there that may make them be able to stay in their home a little bit safer for longer. So, you know, we take an intake. It's not a big, scary process. But we really try to find out what the situation is. We try to find out also from you what the financial resources are. Now, not that because we're nosy about what your finances are, but we want to know what bucket of money do you have to potentially pay for your loved one's care? Because we don't want to refer you to give you an improper referral to an organization that you can't afford. And so, you know, we want to kind of get a sense of where we are with that. And then what we do is we directly connect you to organizations of excellence. So we have organizations that apply to receive referrals by our organization, and we put them through an interview process, and we make sure that we feel confident that if this was our mom or 
dad, we would feel comfortable making referral to that entity. And so after we talk with you, and if, a, if an actual resource needs to be referred out to you, then we will get your permission to actually connect you with that organization and hopefully make a match for you so that you can have some relief in that caregiving journey. And you're getting no incentive for these referrals, correct? Absolutely like some of these not. other organizations. Right. So there are some things out there that exist that can kind of get referral fees when they give a referral to an entity, um, which is way too complicated to get into right now. But um, no, so there is no charge for organizations to become vetted by us, and we do not get money back for giving referrals. We really look at the situation, which is why we're a nonprofit 501c3 charity. And so we are funded through grants, through donations, through the fundraising events that we have. And that's really how we keep the wheel turning for our organization. It's a great organization and just a a truly invaluable resource. GuidingLightsNC.org is the website. What's the phone number if folks want to get Sure, it's a 919-371-2062. Excellent. Nicole, we're out of time. We, uh, we're, we've got to get out of here, but we will be back again next Saturday evening at 7. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, right here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.